Come last Tuesday, Wednesday, I'd been working on a homily for like three days. And I got an email that after reading it, it was a, attached was a poem written by Dave Shavers, Dean Shavers, excuse me. A reflection on the truth of the heart-wrenching massacres that happened with the Native Americans in our country. And after reading it, I became so filled um, with the memory of everything and the investigation of everything that happened. I couldn't think of everything, anything else. And one thing that this person said to me, he asked, how could something like this happen, this massacre? I can't understand how and why a phrase that keeps coming up in the poem is, they want them all to be dead. He said, how could it be that so many would want to destroy a whole nation? And how could that be an attitude that carries on into our present day? Well, I myself became obsessed with that question and had to throw away my whole homily to have recourse on this. Because I preach on what I think about. That's all I can say is I, I don't just look at the gospel and say what is going on there. I want to talk about what's relevant. And if there's anything relevant in our world today, it's the problem of evil. In an article published in the Yuma Daily in 1982, commented on a discovery made on a recent expedition to Ethiopia. It read, Tim D. White and the UC Berkeley team who led last year's expedition to the far region of northern Ethiopia said that a re-examination of a 300,000-year-old human skull found in the region showed evidence of having been scalped 300,000 years ago. Evidence of man killing man. It is any wonder then for us that the very opening book of our scriptures contains a warning about the reality of human beings' proclivity towards evil. In the story of Cain and Abel. Reads, when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his little brother Abel and killed him. The first two human beings born in this world after the fall. One was a murderer. The other one was an innocent victim. The first death recorded in biblical history was not a natural death. It was a murder. And he was murdered by his own brother. What does that tell us about human life? I don't know if you've ever heard of the book Left to Tell. Has anyone ever heard of that? It's written by Immaculate Ilibigitsa. It's her memoirs of what took place in the Rwandan genocide in 1994. Her struggle to survive both physically and spiritually. Well, in 1994, in a matter of 100 days, one ethnic group, the Hutus, rose up and killed 1 million Tutsis. And these weren't just people from different you know, nations. These people grew up together. They lived next door to one another. They intermarried. They worked together their whole life. And in one day, 
one ethnic group rose up and for three months slaughtered the other. Well, she had just come back from college. She was 22 years old. And she came back to visit her family just before the genocide broke out. And her father sent her um, to take refuge with a nearby pastor who was, also, who was actually a Hutu. So he was risking her, his life to take her in. She, along with four, five other girls, were put into a bathroom that was three by four foot wide. For 91 days, they were hiding in there. And in this time, Immaculate could actually hear the killers walking around looking for her and calling her name and saying that her whole family was dead and that she would soon be next. The cry, they want them all dead, was echoing throughout the entire country. What she initially struggled to understand was the same question that came up now. How could this possibly happen in her time, in her village? And this is what she wrote in her book. The world had seen the same thing many times before. After it happened in Nazi Germany, all the big powerful countries came together and said, never again. But here we were, six harmless females huddled in darkness, marked for execution for no other reason than that we were born Tutsis. How had history managed to repeat itself? How had this evil managed to surface again? Why had the devil been allowed to walk among us unchallenged, poisoning hearts and minds until it was too late? The answer to all her questions came to her in the moment when she realized that the very same evil and hatred that had infected the Hutus and caused them to rise up was now beginning to grow inside her own heart as she sat in that bathroom praying for her life. All she could do every single day was think and pray. She said she prayed about 50 rosaries every single day. But when she wasn't praying, she'd entertain herself by having fantasies about revenge, about the ways that she would retaliate herself upon the Hutus when she got out. Well, after doing this for weeks, at one point she was praying the rosary and she got to that point and our father said, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And she stopped. It was the first time she ever realized what she was actually praying. And she started yelling at God, how could you ever ask me to forgive the very people who have taken everything from me? My family, my property, and now my future. So what did she do? She stopped praying altogether. And she began just taking refuge in those thoughts those fantasies of revenge someday. But when she stopped praying, she had to deal with the fact that she felt completely isolated and alone and hopeless in that bathroom. So by little by little, she started praying, but she said, I'll just skip over that line that says, forgive us our trespasses, we forgive them. I'll just go straight into the next one, which says, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. 
And that's when she realized that by not forgiving, she was being filled with the same evil and the temptation to violence that filled the Hutus outside seeking her life. She wrote in her book about this moment, I realized that my battle to survive this war would have to be fought inside of me. The more I prayed, the more aware I became that in order to receive God's true blessing, my heart had to be ready to receive His love. But how could He enter my heart when it was holding so much anger and hatred inside of it? After that, her entire struggle in that little bathroom became to forgive the killers from her heart. Because she realized that the way that evil is perpetuated, that the way that the devil brings violence and division in every age after every age is through us. Through our own hearts when they become filled with anger, resentment, and revenge. Dean Shaver's cry, they wanted us all dead, is no unfamiliar cry in the history of our world. It is a cry that began in the mouth of Abel as he faced his brother in the field at the beginning of our scriptures. And it is a cry that is echoed throughout the history of our times. In the mouths of the Polish, in Warsaw and Krakow, in the mouths of the Jews in the ghettos, in the mouths of the Tutsis in Rwanda, in the mouths of the Chinese in Nanjing, in the mouths of the thousands of Native Americans in our own country. And it is a deafening cry that continues to raise up to heaven from the 60 million aborted babies in this land since 1973. The cry they wanted us all dead, is a cry that will reverberate into the future of this world wherever the devil succeeds in turning our hearts against one another. The only question we can ask ourselves is will the cry of hatred and vengeance find a voice in my own heart? Because the truth remains, we all share the same human nature. The evil acted out in others in any other time always exists in potency within myself. Cain and Abel exist in every single one of us. The struggle between good and evil, love and hate, life and death, it has no limits no race, no skin color, no gender, no nation, no creed, no specific people set apart. History unquestionably reveals this fact. The line dividing good and evil cuts through the heart of every man and every woman walking on this earth. And each of us must decide for ourselves who we become here and now. The scariest thought I've had to contend with myself 
as if I was a German in the 1940s, would I have been a Nazi? If I was a Hutu in Rwanda in 1994, would I have participated in the genocide? If I was an American in the 1800s, would I have been a part of the atrocities here? Truth is, I don't know. And who could ever say? But I can say this. I thank God for who I am today. I thank God for my heritage that I come from. And I thank God that I'm with you all in Lapway as a Catholic priest here today. If only so that I can stand before you on behalf of everything that has taken place here and say I'm sorry. Voice of vengeance and of violence and a hatred. The help of God will never find voice in my heart.